Welcome to the Broadcast Storm, episode number 78, my takeaways from Cisco Live US 2018. Hey everybody, this is Kevin Wallace, double CCIA and Cisco Press author, and I want to welcome you to this episode of the Broadcast Storm. Not long ago, I returned from uh, Cisco Live. Here in the US, it was held in Orlando, Florida in June 2018. And every time I go, I always get super motivated and excited and come away with some big takeaways about what sort of technologies that I need to be focusing on in the coming year and typically develop some training programs around that. So I wanted to give you some insight on what I picked up this year from Cisco Live. The primary message that Cisco had this year was that it's time for the network's next act. Cisco said that, hey, we invented the network and now it's time for the next act. But what exactly does that mean? Well, they said, and Chuck Robbins talked about this during his keynote on day one, he said that security is the foundation of all things networking. Security is becoming even more important than it has been in the past. He talked about the network's next act as simplifying complexity, and what he was specifically addressing there was having complexity in a multi-cloud world and how we can simplify that. You see, a lot of companies might have multiple cloud services that they keep their content on privately, and they might have a mixture of public and private clouds. And I think what Cisco was getting at when they said they want to simplify complexity in a multi-cloud world is they were talking about the partnership that they announced at Cisco Live with Google Cloud. I'll talk more about that in just a few moments, but the head of Google Cloud came out and they gave a talk and uh, talked about how Cisco was going to help them and help customers seamlessly move between private cloud storage and public cloud storage. Another part of the network's next act was unleashing the power of data, as they said. And what they were really talking about here was intent-based networking. They talked about the journey of intent-based networking. And intent-based networking really boils down to SDN, software-defined networking, network programmability, where we can express our intent and we don't have to know all the underlying commands necessarily. My favorite example of intent-based networking is EasyQOS. That's an application that's built into Cisco's APIC EM controller. Using EasyQOS with a GUI interface, you can just drag and drop this big laundry list of applications under one of three different priority levels. So you can say for your business needs, what's high priority, what's low priority, what's medium priority, and you can say, all right, that's my intent. I intend to give these applications these levels of priority. Now go do it. And the APIC EM can reach out to different routers and switches that it's discovered and send appropriate commands. And keep in mind, these are different commands going to Cisco routers and switches, but it sends appropriate commands to these different devices to enforce the quality of service intent that you've given through this easy QoS GUI interface. And the other big part of the network's next act was reminding us that networking creates meaningful experiences. As my daughters say, we, we got in our feels on this one. And they talked about how we really make a difference in other people's lives. And it's true when we stop and think about it. They had someone from a children's hospital come out and they talked about how they had this uh, child that had a terminal case of cancer and how they wanted their gaming console in their hospital room. And they talked about how the IT staff got the gaming console hooked up in the room. That was just one example. But they just really reinforced the concept that we're not doing this just to get more bits through a wire. We're really touching people's lives through what we do. It was sort of emotional to hear that presentation. And I would say that those four main things really encapsulate the main message of Cisco Live this year. 
It's the network's next act. And again, security is the foundation. We want to simplify complexity in a multi-cloud world. We want to unleash the power of data through intent-based networking. And we want to create meaningful experiences. And just a bit more about this Google Cloud partnership that I mentioned. The head of Google Cloud came out and talked about how they were partnering with Cisco. And Cisco's VPN cloud services are going to enable companies to span private and public clouds to let whatever their services are on these clouds run in optimal locations. Some things might need to run in one cloud, some things might need to run in another cloud, and Cisco and Google are working together to make that seamless. And one of the big things that the Google Cloud person talked about was something called Kubernetes. And to be honest, I had no idea what Kubernetes was. I had to go look it up. But Kubernetes is a system that helps you manage multiple container-based applications. You might remember I had a podcast episode some time back called An Overview of Container Technology for Cisco Networking Professionals. And there we talked about things like Docker and how you could have this container-based application that was a collection of code that not only ran an application, but it had the underlying operating system support where you didn't have to spin up an entire virtual machine to run this one application. It was all contained in, in a container. And Docker is a really popular example of that. Well, Kubernetes is a system to help you deploy and manage these container-based applications. If you are really familiar with Docker, it's somewhat similar to a Docker Swarm. You might want to go do some reading on your own on Google Cloud's Kubernetes engine, because that was a, a big topic during the first keynote. Of course, when I'm at Cisco Live, one of my main focuses is collaboration. If you went, maybe it will be wireless or data center, whatever your specific area of focus is. But I really like to focus on collaboration when I'm there to see what's new. And they talked about collaboration during one of the keynotes. And I guess one of the biggest news items is a rebranding of some of Cisco's collaboration software. For example, Spark has been rebranded as Cisco WebEx Teams. Everything's being rebranded as some WebEx product. And WebEx as we knew it, that we used for meetings, is called Cisco WebEx Meetings. And Jabber is now being rebranded as Cisco WebEx Devices. However, when I went out and looked at the App Store this morning to see if there was a Cisco WebEx Devices app that I could download from my iPhone, now it was still Jabber, so I'm not really sure when that's going to kick in. But they're moving toward a rebranding where all of the user-facing unified communication software is pretty much going to be rebranded as something WebEx. And I spent a good bit of time in the collaboration area in the world of solutions and learned about an acquisition Cisco made a few months back. They acquired a company called Broadsoft. And Broadsoft has a product called BroadCloud that's a cloud-based unified communication solution. And you can have SIP speaking phones register with BroadCloud servers and you have your own administrative interface that's different, by the way, than Cisco Unified Communications Manager. And I was talking with one of the broad cloud representatives, which I guess now they work for Cisco. And I was asking, who does this really target? And they said this mainly targets small to medium-sized businesses. If you want a cloud-based unified communication solution for a large enterprise, Cisco's recommending Cisco's hosted collaboration solution, or HCS. So I said, okay, small to medium-sized business, how big is that? How big can broad cloud go? And they said, well, yeah, we're targeting the small to medium-sized businesses, but you know, we've got installations where we have like thousands of phones. So in my view, this could really scale to some enterprises. However, there was a big limitation with BroadCloud, and my guess is this is going to change. But they said currently, 
it does not set up video calls. It's audio-only calls. And of course, they had an area in their booth that was demonstrating uh, the HCS, the Hosted Collaboration Solution. That's communications manager in the cloud, essentially, where you don't have to manage your communication manager servers. You don't have to upgrade them or apply patches. You let Cisco take care of that, and your phones register over the internet with this HCS service. And HCS does have communications manager running in the background, but the interface looks very different. You can still go into the interface and create things like partitions and calling search spaces and the normal things you do, but it is a different interface. And when talking with some of the people at the collaboration booth, I was asking, so is Cisco just moving to the cloud? Is there ever going to be a case where somebody has a communications manager server in their own local data center? And I really like the way they explained it. They said, well, think of the way data centers are working now. A lot of companies are moving their data out to the cloud, moving it out to something like AWS. But some companies want to have storage locally as well. And Cisco gives you that option of doing a local communications manager or cloud-based communications manager with HCS, or you can have a hybrid solution where your local communication manager servers talk to the HCS servers. So you really get the best of both worlds. Now, personally, if I'm going to be designing something like this for a customer, I'm going to do a cost analysis to see what's more economical to use something local or to use something in the cloud, or maybe to do both in a hybrid solution. And of course, Cisco's coming out with a brand new version of the CCA Collaboration Lab. And depending on when you're listening to this, it might already be out. It's going to be coming out July 23rd, 2018. And I'd been holding up production of any training on that lab because I really didn't know from the limited amount of information that Cisco gave on their website as to what does the lab look like? How do you build a home lab? How does somebody practice on this? And the good news is I did get some insight and I've started in the early stages of building a topology that I can use for training. But let me just give you a general overview of what's going to be on the CCI Collaboration 2.0 lab. At a super high level, it looks pretty similar to what was on version 1.0. In other words, you've got a headquarters, you've got a couple of remote sites. So nothing much has changed there. However, you don't have any ISDN connections. There's no T1 or E1 connections going into the PSTN. No frame relay or anything like that. Everything is Ethernet. So you're leaving each site with Ethernet. And over those Ethernet connections, you're going to be using SIP trunks to communicate with other sites. Imagine each site having its own communications manager server, maybe a couple of communication manager servers for redundancy at the headquarters. And imagine those servers running 12.0 of the software. Imagine them having an instant messaging and present server, a Unity connection server. You can have that at each site. And the headquarters, it's probably going to have a Cisco meeting server in addition to everything else. There'll be a DNS server maintained at the headquarters. There'll be a DNS server out on the internet as well. The routers, according to Cisco, are cloud-based routers. They're the CSR, the Cloud Services Router 1000 Vs. So if you're running Cisco Unified Border Element on that, or Cube, that's going to be running virtually. It's going to be a vCube. Imagine that each of your sites also have some sort of a laptop or a computer that's running Jabber. And as far as physical phones... You can expect a couple of Cisco 8845s, but you're not going to have direct access to those. They're not going to be on your desk as you go into the lab environment. You're going to control those remotely through an app called PhoneView. And these PCs that I said were running Jabber that live at the different sites, you're going to be using RDP, Remote Desktop Protocol, to connect your candidate machine, the one computer that you have at your desk, 
you're going to be using RDP to connect to those different computers that are running Jabber. So you're not going to have any physical phones, any physical routers or switches or anything at your desk other than a computer. Now one big difference in the topology that we didn't see in version 1 of the lab is the use of Expressway. Expect to have one or more Expressway C's for core that lives inside of your firewall and an Expressway E or Edge that lives outside of your firewall. And what the Expressway does, that allows a Jabber client maybe out on the internet to connect in and register with a communications manager server inside of your environment. It gets to traverse the firewall without having to set up a VPN connection. It's able to talk to the Expressway via TLS and the Expressway E sort of tunnels through the firewall to connect to the Expressway C and then that reaches out and lets the device register with your communications manager server. Oh, and I don't think I mentioned earlier, also expect to have a UCCX, a contact center express server at the headquarters. That's an overview in general of what kind of topology to expect on the lab that Cisco announced at Cisco Live. And again, I'm in the early stages of building that topology so I can, I can train you guys on it. But I just wanted to give you a sense for what that's going to be like. And another reason I love to go to Cisco Live is the conversations I get to have with so many people. You might remember from my previous podcast episode, I had an interview with Network Chuck, which was a ton of fun. I had breakfast with my good friend Anthony Sequero that works over at CBT Nuggets. And we had a great conversation. In fact, after we had breakfast, we walked for probably another half hour just talking and exchanging ideas. And I had lots of those great conversations. One conversation I had was with the the head of Cisco's certification program. He's over the heads of all the individual tracks. His official title is Senior Manager Global Certifications Program. His name's Yusuf. And I was talking with him and uh, we were talking for whatever reason about people cheating on Cisco exams. And I was talking about a blog post I did not too long ago called The Siren Call of Brain Dumps, where I was really trying to discourage people from, from cheating, from using brain dumps to pass an exam. And I gave all kinds of reasons why it's just a really, really bad idea. And I was telling Yusuf my theory about how Cisco detected cheaters because he's not really able to share with me the exact algorithm that they use to detect a cheater. But I said, okay, here's my guess. Just tell me if I'm right or wrong. And I said, my guess is you've got all this data. You've got a big data set from people that have taken all these exams. And for each question, you have the amount of time it took for these different candidates to answer specific questions. And you can kind of graph that out. It's probably going to be a normally distributed Gaussian curve. And if you find somebody that's more than two standard deviations away from the mean of that normal distribution, that's going to raise a red flag. And I thought if they had multiple variations from the mean for multiple questions, they were an outlier on many, many questions, that would be an indication that they were cheating on the exam. That was my theory. And I said, is that the way it works? And he said, no, you're wrong. <laughs> he didn't tell me exactly how it worked, but he said that wasn't it. And he went on to tell me that they actually have two PhDs working on this. He told me they had two PhDs in psychometrics. I didn't even know psychometrics was a thing, much less something you could get a PhD in. But they've got two PhDs in psychometrics, and he gave me a few hints as to how it works. And from what I gathered, it is, of course, based on statistics, but it's a statistical model that was much more advanced than, than my theory. And Cisco actually takes action when they find cheaters. They might give them a warning. They might ban them from Cisco certification for life. If you're a company that sells brain dumps, they go after you and shut you down. This is not something you want to mess with. So my big takeaway from that conversation 
echoes what I was saying in my blog post, The Siren Call of Brain Dumps, and that is, don't cheat. It's not worth it. There's too big of a risk of getting caught, and there's tons of other reasons. Just stay away from brain dumps and things like that. And I could go on with other conversations and things I learned at Cisco Live, but really, if I had to pick out the big things, the big takeaways, that's it. Had a great time meeting some of you personally at uh, the book signing at the Cisco store. Also gave a presentation on quality of service. So I'll tell you what, I'll include in the show notes of this podcast a link if you want to go watch my presentation on quality of service. And I think the name of the presentation was something like quality of service for CCIA collaboration candidates. Now, please don't let CCIE and the title throw you at all because we really do start at the basics in that presentation and then we build to some CCIE level content. But I think you'll enjoy it if you want to go check that out. It's free. You do have to log into the Cisco Live website to access it, but there's a join now button on the page if you don't already have an account and it's free. So you can go watch that for free. But um, those are my big takeaways from Cisco Live. I hope it gave you some insight and I look forward to talking with you on the next episode of The Broadcast Storm.